There's a difference between academic and industrial research. It's not that the quality of the research changes, because good research will shine wherever it is conducted. But it is the purpose of the research that changes. And this change of purpose shapes how companies conduct research and why we, in industrial research, often focus on different aspects than our academic colleagues. I'm Chris Woods. Welcome to the Industrial Research Podcast. In this episode, we're going to go through what industrial research is and how that differs from academic research and how the change of focus I mentioned really shapes how companies structure what they do and the advantages of it. Why should you do industrial research? If you do a Google search for what is research, you see a definition which sounds a bit like this and let me read it out to you. It says research is the systematic investigation into the study of materials and sources in order to establish facts and research new conclusions. And it's quite accurate. It is. Within the academic world, you can conduct research and publish it. And when you publish it, you add it to society's body of knowledge. And that's really important. You can conduct research that disproves things and tells you not to go down different research paths. Don't investigate this technique. It's not very effective. That's a really valuable bit of knowledge. The industrial perspective is a little bit different. And if you Google for what is industrial research, Google doesn't give you a definition. Instead, it might link you, if you're lucky, to a European Union website which provides one. It basically says that industrial research is research or a critical investigation aimed at the acquisition of new knowledge or skills for developing new products, processes or services. Now, let's just summarise that. Really simply put, industrial research is research that delivers something that can be sold in some way, shape or form. Whatever research we do, we have to be able to sell. So doing research down negative paths don't, don't, don't use this technology, don't go down here because you know it's a bad way to go, that's really valuable, but it's not something that we could sell as a company. And that changes the focus. I want to introduce a concept to you, and it's called the Technology Readiness Level, or TRL for short. The Technology Readiness Level was invented by NASA. They had a problem. They were trying to consume research from various different organisations, trying to work out which research to fund and which research not to. And they needed to know where on a research pipeline that research was. And by research pipeline, we mean from the far end of, I've just got an idea or I understand some basic fundamental principles to something much closer to a product, something I could buy. And this is a scale that they introduced. That scale, the TRL scale, while it was developed by NASA, has been adopted the world over. It's now used by the European Union when it funds research. It's used by most, if not all, the federal government agencies to describe the research that they want to fund. And a lot of national governments across the world use it too. In fact, when you talk to any academic or industrial researcher, it's almost a common language you can use to describe where your research is. The TRL scale has nine levels. Level one is the lowest. 
and it really means it's a piece of fundamental research. The far end of the scale is level nine, and level nine, it's an actual system that you have been proven, you know that it works, and you can go and buy it, and in NASA's terms, fly it into space. The steps in between describe how you get from one side, the fundamental research, all the way up to a working system. And they break it down. And it gives you an idea of how to progress your research, but it also allows you to quickly articulate where you are. Essentially, the scale says you've come up with a basic idea or a basic observation, TRL level one. You've introduced some basic concepts of technology. You've started to formulate it. And then there's a stage that says you've tested it in a lab, a stage that says you've tested it under field conditions, a stage that says that you can demonstrate it reliably in the field, and so on, until suddenly you have a working product. And it's a gradual slope to get there. Now, that's difficult to articulate in audio, and I have a lovely diagram with all of the TRL level points described on my webpage. There's a link in the show notes. Please go away and read it. It's really useful. And there's also the backdrop to the story of where it came from. And I have links to Wikipedia articles that you might find interesting too. But this TRL scale is really important because it also helps me to describe to you how companies structure their research. Companies are pushed to do research to create value. And that's what the European Union definition gave us. And it's very accurate. You have to be able to sell something. And that means that they very rarely focus on the low-level TRL research, the basic observed principles, the basic observations. That a lot of companies leave to universities to conduct. Instead, they focus more on applied research, which is taking a concept or an observation that's been developed at a university or another academic institution, or perhaps another company, and seeing how they can use that and apply that to solve the problems that they have or to generate a new product or service. And so that's a very much more an applied approach. It doesn't hold for all companies. Some companies are renowned for taking a very long-term view of the research. And when they do that, they focus both on the observed basic principles and the fundamental research, and they also do the applied stuff as well. And companies like that include Bell Labs. They're very famous for this. Microsoft has done some of this. Um, latest research from them on using glass blocks as a form of uh, digital storage in a data center it is one of the one of the the, the great, great recent successes, and it's well worth going to read on that. So you can see that this differs between companies, but the vast majority of companies will focus on something that's around. TRL level four might be the lowest that they would go to, which is, you know, taking technology that's been validated in a university lab and moving it into production. And that's basically where they sit. The difference is that when you're in a company, you don't just do technical research. A lot of companies also do uh, business research. And by business research, I mean they're researching the marketplace. What are our competitors doing? What are the policy makers doing? What new laws are being introduced? And when you think about that, you've got to think about things like the GDPR in Europe and the effect that's having on, on the IT marketplace. It makes a big difference. And that, that part of research is constantly changing. The environment's changing. 
There might be research from other universities that you're not involved in that's been picked up by a competitor and coming through into a product. There might be some fundamental research that comes through a competitor and into the product marketplace. There may be new business models that are invented and tested by competitors. And they all affect what you can sell. And therefore, they affect the research that you do in an industrial research team. Some companies split these two up. And you have a research team that's focused on the technical side and you'll have a separate research team focused on the business side and the business modeling and the policy modeling. I had the chance to meet Donald Strickland a couple of years ago. He was giving a course I was attending. And I recall he stood in front of us all and he asked us all the same question. What is the role of a CEO? What does a CEO do? There was a pause and somebody behind me shouted, they run the company. And Donald said, no, no, that's the COO, the chief operating officer. They run the company. But what does a CEO do? There was a pause and then he explained, the role of a CEO was to discover how your business is going to be disrupted and destroyed by a competitor and then to go away and do it before they do. This advice really stuck with me. You see, Donald Strickland was the guy who presented the digital camera to Kodak. He went to the board and showed them a digital camera. He did it three times. And each time the board turned him down and they said, Kodak makes film. If we sell a digital camera, we'll eat into our film sales. Let's not do it. And the board of Kodak were right. In 2012, Kodak went bust. You see, seeing the disruption is really important, but you also need to act on it. And the advantage of industrial research is it provides that perspective to a CEO or a CTO and lets them see what's coming. And often you will find that a good industrial research team is positioned quite close to the CEO suite. And that's to let the CEO and his team and the board see the changes that are coming into the industry and to allow them to anticipate the disruption, do it themselves, or prepare for a business change or to pivot on it to try to prepare the company for the future. And that's why industrial research is of so much value. In this episode, I've covered quite a lot in quite a short period of time. I've described to you what the difference is between academic and industrial research and how industrial research is basically uh, revolves around conducting research for ideas and concepts that can be sold. I've shown how that shapes the research that companies normally focus on and why they don't do fundamental research generally, although there are exceptions. I've introduced the whole idea of the TRL scale and shown you how the TRL scale is used to articulate where research is in the pipeline. But what I haven't covered is how research is actually conducted. And that's what I want to start covering in the next episode. But in the meantime, I've got a little bit of homework for you. That is, have a look at your own organization. Look at the products and services it provides and think about how they might be disrupted. 
Let me know if you've got any interesting insights. You can drop me a line always on Twitter. It's at MC Woods on Twitter. Drop me a line there. I'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, take care and enjoy. If you like this and want to hear more, please subscribe. And I look forward to giving you the next episode. Take care. The music used is an excerpt from Bust This, Bust That by Professor Cleek and is used under Creative Commons.